Hi, this is Jason. And this is Matt. And welcome to Wish You Were Here, a podcast for the curious traveler. Jason, what is new with you? What's up? I'm actually going to answer your question with a question, sort of, which is, have you ever gotten a compliment you don't want? (laughs) Right? Like someone compliments you and they mean well, but you're like, I didn't want to hear that. Okay, so I was online talking to a guy and he was like, I love your pics. Right. And these are like G rated picks. Sure. Right. Like, I mean, there might be like swimsuit shots in there shirtless, but like these are G rated picks. Sure. And I was like, oh, thank you so much. He's like, yeah, I love a dad bod. <laughs> and I was like, oh, that's not what I wanted you to say. That's not. Now, call back, the thing. Wait, call back yeah, to, yeah. was it last episode where it's okay for you to think that? <laughs> and, it's okay and it's okay for you to say, you say it, it to yourself. To yourself. <laughs> but you but don't know how this person me, is going to feel about that. He but, wanted me to know that. Now, look, I, I should I should be happy with it, and here's why. What he's basically saying is, I like guys that are older, work out, and eat pizza, which does <laughs> describe me. That does describe me. <laughs> sure, sure, sure. I mean, are, do you so, do you think that you have a dad bod? Uh, no, I don't think so either. Like that's such strange feedback that you got. I don't think that at all. (laughs) Uh, it's not what I'm going for. I'm not going for Jim Belushi circa according to Jim playing opposite (laughs) Courtney Thorne Smith as his, as his wife, who's like probably thinking they could have gotten me a slimmer co-star, but on stay on screen, I have to pretend like I'm into Jim Belushi and his dad bod. Yeah. I'm picturing dad bod as like current Jack Nicholson living his best life on a boat in those recent tourism <laughs> picks or like Leonardo DiCaprio who decides to go to Mykonos and like pick up hot model girls with, you know, he still has a dad bod to do it. Like that's the dad bod that people are talking about. And so I'm, I'm horrified and amazed that you got that feedback. <laughs> yeah, I was too, but I understood the compliment was buried in there somewhere. Okay. Sure. So I have a question for you. Okay. What is something people always say you would be so good at but that you don't have any interest in doing. Oh, that I don't have any interest in doing. Ooh. Yeah. Um, now, I, now, 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 like full disclosure, well, I thought of it because I have a couple good answers for it, but I would love yeah, to hear yours. Yeah. I, the answer that, that comes to my mind first is therapist. And I don't think I'm actually, I don't think I'm actually interested in being that. I'm really curious about people. I like asking questions. I'm, I think I'm a good listener, but the joke that I always make is like, if therapy had a corporate ladder, that would be the perfect job for me. I have like <laughs> too much self-interest and, and, uh, I don't want to say like drive because it takes a ton to become a therapist, but I'm like, once you're there, what does it mean to to like grow in your role like what what comes after that i need something to chase and i don't know what that is for therapy so i think i would like some of the day-to-day but i don't actually think i want that job (laughs) but that's a great one though that's the perfect example of right because people meet you and they think oh he's a good listener you should be a this and you're like no that's not really how i see myself yeah you know it's kind of it kind of ties back into the dad compliment way right like i think it also is telling of like when somebody is a good listener, we're immediately like, oh, you should be a therapist, showing that most people aren't good listeners, as, yeah, right, <laughs> as if only right. one job in the world is right, re- right, right, <laughs> requires right, good right, listenership. Right. I mean, arguably, being a server at a restaurant requires good listening Oh, skills. my God, of course. <laughs> you know, right? Like, otherwise, you get to that keyboard, and you're like, what did they order? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, okay. So, wait, so what's your answer? Yeah, talk show host. Oh, see, you right? would and, be really good at that. But and, and you would as well, right? We're both good talkers. We're both talky people. And, but the thing is, like, 
I would only be a talk show host if I'm 100% in control of who I talk to. But to mm. do what like Jimmy Fallon or James Corden do, that's my nightmare job where they show up and they're like, oh, I have to talk to what real housewife tonight? Like, ugh, that's my nightmare. <laughs> oh, what? What Republicans coming on the show? I have to talk to Rand Paul. Like, ugh. No, I but have you, no interest so, in that job. Hold on, because you, um, you have a history of being a, a travel writer and actually interviewing a lot of people, both in that scene I and do, elsewhere. that's true, yeah. You must have interviewed people that you weren't, like, starstruck by or super enthused by, right? You know, I, I'm very, I mean, I mean, you're, look, you're, you're probably right. You're probably right. But I'm very lucky in that when I was doing the bulk of my work as a cultural reporter in Chicago, where I was in the, the seat, I was, I was in the interviewer's seat and choosing to interview people, yeah. I had full authority over who I chose. Mm. And so I always picked people I loved. Now, I'm sure there were instances where someone big came through and I thought, I should probably interview this person, even though I don't love them, but, 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 you know, to make small talk with Paris Hilton for eight minutes, ugh, <laughs> ugh, that sounds awful. Jason, you're killing our listenership. They're never going to listen now. <laughs> um, which which talk show host do you identify with the most? Oh, that's a great question. You know who I actually love is I love Seth Meyers, but I've also mm. interviewed him, and he is one of my favorite interviews of all time. Wow. He, we're, first of all, we're born within like a month of each other. He's older. <laughs> uh, he, I interviewed him in person. And he, I only had like 20 minutes with him, but he gave me exactly what I wanted. In, in, I mean, 20 minutes is not a lot of time. You sure. think, oh, I have to get this all in. He gave me exactly what I wanted. He came prepared. He articulated it. He was dynamite. Mm, how Di- great. Can, can I tell you someone who's not great? <laughs> Please. Uh, do you know who Kylie Minogue is? I do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we gave, her, we gave her the questions ahead of time, and she did not have answers prepared. Oh, She no. came across as a bit of a dim bulb, I have to admit, even though I enjoy her music. Sure. And, she, and by the way, for the record, she was perfectly nice. Yeah. Well, but it's so just hard did not have the answer to simple questions. Because in the way that it's a hard skill to be able to definitely interview somebody, it's, hard, it's a hard skill to be interviewed gracefully mm-hmm. and like have fun answers that people are looking for. And especially if you're you're interviewing from a specific angle, you want like a soundbite that is about the LGBTQ community or about travel. You know what I mean? Like there has to be a specific yeah. angle. So it's really hard to be an interviewer. But you can also tell when somebody's trying and when somebody didn't. <laughs> um, okay, one more thing before we get into our destination of the week, which is a great one, is um, I've been thinking a lot about um, old timey expressions, and I want to bring some back. So I want to bring back, do you kiss your mother with that mouth? <laughs> right? People don't really say that anymore, right? Right, right, right. Don't be surprised if during the course of our talk tonight, I describe you as a sharp cookie. Ooh. Or, or get worked up and say that I'm madder than a wet hen. Madder or, than a wet hen? <laughs> or, you know, we, um, you know, I'm surprised and I say heavens to Betsy. <laughs> like these things might come out tonight. You right, know, I might right, say, right. You, I might say, well, Matt, you know what? You can't make a silk purse out of a sow's ear. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so I've been thinking about old-timey expressions. It sounds like you just watched you just watched a supercut of Paula Deen videos and then pulled out your favorite moments and are like trying to revive them and bring them back. I um, did I ever tell you I invented a word? You did. I did. Yeah, I invented a word about 10, 12 years ago, and I submitted it to the Urban Dictionary, so it's still there. <gasps> the word is cotitious. Cotitious. And it, cotitious, and it means absent-minded. You invented that word. 
Yeah, I invented that word, cotitious. I made it. I mean, I made it up. Like you're, you're calling it a word. It's not a word. It's a word. I mean, it's I. It's, it's okay, not. Okay, but a, I feel like not, when I when I scroll through Urban Dictionary, most of what I find are like hot dog body, or you know what I mean, just like random <laughs> phrases. That you're like, she's got a gravel face. What does that mean? You have to like look it up. Uh, but yours is a word that it could pass in a Webster dictionary. Cotitious? Absolutely. That was the intention. Yeah, cotitious. And well it means absent-minded. Like, I, I meant to mail out that letter today, but I, I forgot because I was feeling cotitious. Wow. Wow. I just you, used it in a sentence. You did. Do you, how did you... Do you remember like, the story of how you came up with this word? Mm-mm, not at all. I have no yeah. idea. It's yeah, too yeah. long ago. It's lost to... It's lost to... Yeah. Well, and, and I, would you know say, what, I would say you're being cotitious by not being able to remember that. I, and I was, <laughs> I, and I was going to say, I'm so upset that I can't remember the origins of how I thought of it, that I'm madder than a wet hen. Mm, mm, you kiss your mother <laughs> with that mouth? All right. Let's, uh, people, people tune in for travel. Let's give them what they want. <laughs> Stop talking about Urban Dictionary. I'm super excited for this episode's destination, which is, drumroll, the islands in the state of Hawaii. Hawaii. That's right. So first of all, we have had some meaningful feedback from people that have said, like, when are you going to leave the country? Now, I understand sure. that Hawaii is our 50th state, or our 49th state, actually, right? No, it's or 50. Is it, it's 50. Is it 50? Okay. Yeah. I realize that Hawaii is one of our states, but it does mean you're leaving the mainland, right? Mm-hmm. You're leaving the continental U.S. to get there. So this is our first foray. You're, you're crossing a large body of water to get to this destination. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, and I want to start us off with a song lyric about Hawaii, and I'll let you guess the artist. <laughs> Go for it. Okay. Early this morning, I drove through the rain out to the airport to get on a plane. Hey, Honolulu, a greeting from Happy Hawaii. Name that band. Oh, band, because I was picturing that in in Elvis's voice. Is it the Beach Boys? It is not the Beach Boys, but it's it's like one decade later. It's Mm. from the 70s. It's from a 70s super group. Was it U2? It's ABBA. <laughs> it is ABBA. Wow. They wrote a song about Honolulu? They did, which is, it's just so, it's so funny because that song's probably from the mid-70s. Sure. And what's so funny and dated is that like in that time period, Honolulu is still where you would have gone, right? Now, people still go to Honolulu, as we know, but like you wouldn't have written a song about, you know, Kauai or Big Island or the Maui in the 70s, right? Like sure. in, in, in mid-century, when people started going to Hawaii, it was like they were going to Waikiki, Honolulu, right? That's where you went. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which you is know, only one was, of the islands and one of the spots on that one island. Totally, <laughs> but that was the vacation paradise. Okay, yeah. so let's tell people how we've divided up uh, this conversation, right? So we are, there are, I think there are technically, are there seven inhabited islands or seven main islands? There are eight, eight main islands that, eight main that islands. make up okay. Hawaii. Yeah. yeah, and I don't even know how many like teensy, teensy, tiny ones there are. Are there oh, like it's like, it's like hundreds or? 1,500. Yeah. 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 Which is crazy. We're going to talk about what I would call like the big four, yeah. right? The four that most people go to. Now there are seasoned Hawaiian travelers who've gone, you know, to more islands than that, but we're going to talk about Maui, Oahu, Kauai, and the big island. Mm-hmm. Yep. Right. Uh, uh, although I should say the order is going to be, we're actually going to start with Oahu. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's, yeah. and I think for the reasons that you just mentioned, that Hawaii, that Oahu and Waikiki and, and Honolulu are probably the most popularized of the islands. And, and for the reason that you mentioned, that I think people have been traveling to them for the longest. Yeah. 
It's also Honolulu is the capital of the state, so that gets a lot of traction right. because of that. Yeah. Um, I also yeah, just right. had to look up how many islands, and I was so completely off. <laughs> it's a, it's like 130, not 1500. Oh, so okay, there are eight still, main islands, yeah. but a lot of over 100 points of land that stretch across. I think it's like 1600 miles. Maybe that's the number that I was thinking of. And I'm glad you looked it up because if you hadn't, we would have gotten so, you know, dear, wish you were here podcast. Yeah. I listened to your I listened to your crummy podcast tonight. <laughs> Boy, were you? No, I'm kidding. Yeah. Um, uh, I also, uh, I also want us to just talk about how much we love Hawaii. Now it's interesting because we have two very different backgrounds on Hawaii. I've only been there twice hmm. and both in the last decade, like in the last five years. Oh, wow. So twice the last five years. Whereas, and I'm older than you are, so you're younger, but because your dad is Hawaiian, mm-hmm. you grew up with going to Hawaii Probably what when, when, when was your first experience? How old were you when you first went to Hawaii? Oh, I must have been a young kid when I went for the first time. But we used to go as an annual, at least annual trip because I still have family on the island. My dad grew up on the island. So I'm, I'm half Hawaiian on my dad's side. Um, and so we used to go a lot. But because I have family on Oahu, that's primarily we would go. But I yeah. would go between there and Kauai sometimes. But I don't actually have a ton of experience. And I, I don't think I've ever been to the big island. I've been to mm-hmm. Maui once or twice, but when I was younger. So I don't have a ton of memories from that place. Like most of my experience is in Oahu and Kauai, which is funny because it's balanced with your few trips, which are more Maui and big island focused, right? Yeah, this is why we work, Matt. This is what, <laughs> what two P's... Two halves of a whole, two peas in a pod. Yeah, so I have been to Hawaii twice. I've so I and I've sort of only dabbled in Hawaii, right? Mm. Like I've been twice. You can't. I mean, the, these these islands are beautiful. They're amazing. You can go back again and again and again. I mean, you can't ever. You just don't tire of Hawaii. Yeah. But I've been two visits, and just by pure coincidence, I've spent the most time in Maui and the Big Island, and the least amount of time in Oahu and Kauai. So this is going to be a good discussion. Yeah, how funny. So yeah. I'm curious, because I have grew up going to Hawaii, which is a total luxury, but I've sort of talked about why that is. You never went as a kid. You've only said no. you've only gone in the last few years. I'm yeah. curious, like, what was your impression of Hawaii before you went? And then what yeah. was your first impression when you got there? Yeah, what a great question, because I have a good answer for that. <laughs> so I put off, I mean, I lived in California, as you know, for many years in my 20s, and then in Chicago, and then back in California, right? So I put off going to Hawaii, because I was like, you don't go to Hawaii alone. You go with a significant other, or you go with your family. And so I just kept putting off Hawaii. Also, when you're a young person, it is expensive. Sure, right? sure, sure. It, The islands are expensive. The flights can be expensive. It just feels like it's a prohibitive destination to get to when you're like young, broken, fabulous, as I was in my 20s. <laughs> so even when I was even when I had money and could afford to go, I kept putting it off because I thought, no, I'm not going to Hawaii alone. This is, I want to go. And then my family said, you know what? Let's do a week on Maui. Let's, we're going to rent a couple condos. You know, your brother, your sister, your, um, your brother-in-law, your niece, we'll all go out there. We'll rent a couple condos. And then my sister got pregnant with twins. Whoa. And, 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 and I should say a little bit later in life. And at the time where we were supposed to go to Hawaii, which was going to be over... Uh, Christmas, you know, the holiday season, four or five years ago, whatever. She would have been like seven and a half months pregnant, carrying twins as, as you know, as, as someone who's, you know, a little bit older, as an older mother. Sure. And so it just seemed like too hard on it. We just didn't want to take that chance. Mm. So we canceled the whole thing. But I had already, the, wheel, the hamster started turning in the wheel. You know, <laughs> I was like, I was like, I'd gotten out like all my guidebooks and I'd like gotten online. I'd like taken notes and I was like going like Maui crazy. And I was also, I'd planned the trip so that 
I would do a week of family time and then I would go jump to another island on my own mm. and explore. So I'd like, you know, I'd like research the, the heck out of Hawaii, but I was like, well, I still need to go. So I ended up going in January of that following, like a month after we were supposed to go. Mm. And that's, that's the trip where I did three islands. I did Maui, the big island and Oahu. And then I went back last year and did the big island in Kauai. Yeah. And you did so, those as solo trips? Yeah, both were solo trips. How now, funny. we'll get to this. The reason I went back last year was for a specific sole intention. I went for one reason, one reason only, and we'll get to that when we talk about the Big Island. Yeah. So I won't give that away now. But yeah, I went twice. And I have to tell you, first of all, Hawaii is brilliant as a solo traveler. Mm. Now, there's not much nightlife outside of Oahu, right? Mm-hmm. You know that. Right, it's that right, the islands right. are mostly quiet. Well, and specifically Obviously, Honolulu. That's right. Honolulu is a big city. You can find, you know, you can find nightlife in Honolulu. And yeah, and the rest of Oahu, I'm sure it's very quiet. You <laughs> know, and, quiet. and Maui yeah. has a couple of touristy places. But even even like in Maui, your nightlife is probably going to be revolved around like the resort, the bar at the resort. Oh, you know for sure. I mean? Yeah, for Ab- sure. Right. Absolutely. And I wasn't staying at big fancy resorts. So I was someone who was, um, uh, you know, a little bit hesitant to go because I was like, well, there's no nightlife. And I kind of like to do that stuff when I travel solo. But like, it didn't matter because every night... I was in bed by 10 or by nine and up at four in the morning yeah, for some yeah, yeah. like adventure for some like hit the road, go hike a volcano, go drive the road to Hana, all this stuff we'll get into. But like, yeah. So, yeah. um, well, so it also I, helps I, yeah. when you're coming from the mainland because you gain hours by going to Hawaii. So no matter when you arrive yeah. your first few days, you like wake up at 5am and you're, you know, you're there for the sunrise and it's super magical. And like, I yeah. love those first few days in Hawaii because of that. And especially, you said you were coming from the West Coast or you were coming from Chicago? uh, First time Chicago, second time West Coast. Oh, man. So you were getting up super early then. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was getting up at four in the morning on Maui every day. And we'll get to we'll get to why. Because I I did actually have every day I had adventures booked where I had to be up at the crack of dawn. And by the way, anyone listening closely can tell that you have the Hawaiian roots because you call it, I call it Hawaii. You call it Hawaii. <laughs> Hawaii. <laughs> yeah, you hit it just right. That's funny because there's like a it's a threshold where I mean because we'll talk about this later, but I'm I'm like very white passing or white white presenting, right? Like I don't look like a native Hawaiian, and so there's a fine line between laying it on thick and being that guy who calls it like Hawaii. You don't want to be that guy. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so uh, let's start island hopping. Let's do it. Let's begin with Oahu. Because we've been talking about Oahu, that's where you spent all this time. You're the Oahu pro, although I have been there. I've spent two days there. So I will I will like I will sneak in my point of view and my recommendations where applicable. But I have (laughs) been to Oahu, so I will at least get your reference points. Yeah. I I love the island of Oahu because to your point, it is the one island that I feel has everything. It does have nightlife. It's got the biggest city with Honolulu. And so it's got the advantages of having a better or maybe like a more robust food scene, a little bit of nightlife. There's some awesome mm-hmm. bars in that area, but also it's really concentrated to Honolulu um, and, and some of the surrounding areas. But a lot of the island is greenery, lush land, you know, waterfalls, big hikes, beaches. Like you still get the best of, of both worlds, which is one of the things that I love about Oahu, Oahu, which is why we go there the most often. Would you encourage anyone visiting Oahu to book enough time to get out of Honolulu? Like I, I think Honolulu is really fun as well. And I think there's stuff to do, but are, are, does it concern you that people go there and that becomes their impression of Hawaii? Like yes. it's the city, right? I mean, I because I think to your point, Honolulu, Oahu is a big enough island. That there's like some pretty remote, lush exotic places yeah yeah and actually you hit it on the head i do not recommend 
staying in downtown Honolulu or the Waikiki area. And it's mm-hmm. hard because that is where a lot of the bigger resorts are. Um, that, yeah. That's where a lot of the life is, but that's also where the most concentrated like tourist attractions are as well. Sure. And yeah. I think that you can visit it, like do a half day there, but, but my recommendation is don't stay. And so that's actually a good segue to the one hotel recommendation that I'm gonna make for today. Uh, my wife was horrified that I was going to share this because it's like such a gem that we got turned on to that mm. I'm going to share it and not <laughs> turn everybody else there. But it's on the east shore of Oahu. It's called Paradise Bay Resort. It's in Kaneohe on the east side of the island. And one of the cool things is that you you land <clears throat> at the Honolulu airport and you drive through. There's like three ho- highways in Hawaii and they're all incredible because they're just covered. They're like surrounded mm-hmm. by these tall, green, lush mountains. And so it's really a pleasure to drive around Oahu. And you have yeah. to take the highway called H3 all the way to the east side of the island to get there and then drive down some side streets. We like we thought we were like in the wrong residential area because there were like chickens running across the road on these dirt roads. Um, and then you pull up and you end up at this place called paradise Bay resort. It's only got 40 rooms. It's listed as a three star because it doesn't have like a a million amenities, like some of these bigger resorts, but the rooms are great. The food is great. Again, it's smaller. So you get a little bit more of an intimate experience. Um, and it is like right on the edge of the water. So you get the benefits of both having like a pool, at your nice hotel, plus mm-hmm. staring straight out into the mm-hmm. water, which overlooks these mountains. And it really is like the best of both worlds. So it's such a pleasure to go explore all of all of Oahu and then come back to this sort of like remote paradise on the east side of the island, which isn't a place that most people go to unless they know about it. Yeah, that is how people should do it right. Now, if you do fly into Hawaii and you're like, well, you know, we we have... we. We're in Honolulu for a night, or we're in Honolulu for trips before we explore the rest of the island. I will say that when I stayed there, I stayed in Waikiki. I stayed at a place called the Aston Waikiki Beach Hotel. Mm. It was one of those like three-star, affordable, isn't going to bust your bank. When I was there, it was actually under renovation. Mm. So there was a lot of construction and noise, which was frustrating, but it means now, a few years later, it's probably a gorgeously remodeled hotel. And maybe it's more expensive now as well, but that's a, that's a, that's a solid wreck if you are in Honolulu for a night or two and you don't want to bust your bank. Yeah, and that's really um, that's really smart because it can cost a lot to even get to Hawaii. And then a lot of people want to spend their money on booking tours and, and ATV things and like activities. Yeah. You know, those can cost a lot too. So I think it's actually really smart oh, yeah. to yeah. to book something that's budget friendly and actually save your dollars for enjoying the island. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's really smart. So we're going to stay on the east side of the island because there's only a few other wrecks here. But there's an awesome spot called the Kualoa Ranch. It is where they filmed parts of Jurassic Park. So if you close your eyes and picture the rolling hills and dinosaurs running across them, you can do like ATV tours through the trails where they filmed Jurassic Park. And it's it's really otherworldly because the whole time you're looking at these little hills expecting, you know, like a stampede of dinosaurs (laughs) to come over the whole time. And you're on your little putt putt ATV sort of like, you know, revving through the mud (laughs) like uh, like. You, you're like, I'm on my ATV and behind me, there's a bunch of velociraptors. Exactly right. Exactly yeah. right. I kept like looking over my shoulder. <laughs> yeah. So I'll, uh, I'll give a few other wrecks and, and some of the things I'm going to mention again are like very visited and very touristed. And I don't mm-hmm. think there's anything wrong with that. There, like for shave ice, for example, I'm going to recommend I, Matsumoto's shave ice, which I hope that you've done on the North shore. I have not, but I was hoping you had a. I, I know I've had shave ice in Hawaii. I can't name check where I've had it, but I was hoping you would have a dynamite recommendation. And I'm like, 
I'm so, so glad you do. So here's the thing. I love Matsumoto's. You're going to wait in a long line full of, you know, Japanese tourists taking pictures to get in, but it's okay. It's you have to drive to the North Shore to get it, and that's a real pleasure to get out of whatever area you're staying. And you're going to wait through line and they're going to, you know, they're going to try to tempt you with stuff to buy, and it's just like an awesome shave ice place. If you're feeling extra adventurous, grab a big scoop of vanilla on it. But shave ice, like you know, you just sort of have like the rainbow of flavors and and follow your heart i won't give any recommendations but follow your heart with the flavors and and do what jumps out to you and make sure to grab a t-shirt on the way out there's like a wall of t-shirts like um that you can just pick from and they're all good it's a great local spot that's celebrated to support so it's certainly not the only shave ice place or maybe even the best shave ice place in the island but i love matsumoto's and wait, this is on the North Shore. Of Oahu, correct, yeah. Okay, okay, right. And wait, can we explain for people who don't know why the North Shore is so famous? <laughs> Please, go ahead. Well, I mean, I, I, I kind of like want you to, but it's, this is like, this is the best surfing, at least on the island of Oahu, right? If not all of Hawaii? It is, I don't know. I mean, that's, I won't answer that because that is like contentious <laughs> debate about the best surf spot, but it is a famous, famous surf spot. The North, when people say North Shore, they, they specifically, at least in my mind, they specifically mean the North Shore of Oahu. Um, because of what yeah, of an course, incredible yeah. surf shot spot it is, yeah. And it's also a place where, even if you're not going to surf, I imagine it's fun just to watch the surfers. Oh but my also, god, yes! Isn't there like food trucks where you can like just go and get like cheap food and kind of like hang out and just kind of do your thing? Totally. There's not. There aren't a ton of like hotels and scene up there. But if you want to go and like have a half day trip where you go eat food trucks alongside the beach, watch some of the best surfers in the world, just like yeah. do their thing. Oh, it's it's the best. Yeah, it's yeah, the best. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Now, wait, did you, I want to ask you this because I made it here. I, I'm guessing you've been here in all your years in uh, visiting Oahu, but maybe not. Did you make it to Hanamanu Bay? Um, I don't know. I don't think so. That doesn't sound okay, familiar. So Hanamanu Bay, I'll throw this recommendation in there real quickly. It's actually, it's, it's actually as you're heading up the east shore. Is that what you call it? The east shore, the east side? Yeah, sure. The east shore. Uh, it's right outside Honolulu, so maybe like a half hour. Mm. Now, I, I should also say that I was on a scooter, like a Vespa. <laughs> like I rented a Vespa in Oahu and, you know, probably a little dangerous to be taking it that far, but I did. Uh, but so it probably took a half hour for me. Maybe, maybe it's like 10 minutes in a car. I don't know. But it's a famous bay where it's super family friendly. You can go there. You can lay out all day. You can hang at the beach. But you can also wade into the water, put on a snorkel mask, and like look at fish. <laughs> and it's just fun and yeah. delightful. Now, spoiler, it's crowded. Yeah. Like people go there. But you know what, though? To your point, Matt, right? Like Hawaii in high season, you just kind of have to deal with people. Yeah. Yeah, you know, and, you're just gonna kind of have, and this isn't you know. necessarily like groundbreaking to anybody, but insider tip is that it rains a lot in Hawaii, but you're going to get like 15 minutes of rain and then it'll be mm. super sunny again. And so sometimes even if you're at a crowded place, you'll get a spot of like gloomy weather and some clouds come over and they dump rain on you. If you just wait it out while everybody else leaves because they think it's permanent, just wait it out. And then all of a sudden you'll have the beach to yourself. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Nice. <laughs> so I'll throw hot in take. a few. Yeah, hot hot take. Take. <laughs> I'll just throw in a few last wrecks of places that I love, and I'm actually not gonna spend a ton of time on like beaches and hikes because, again, I think that you can't really go wrong. Yours, the one that you just recommended, sounds great. Um, another hike that I love is the Lani uh, Lani Kai Pillbox hike, which is super famous. The Kaau Crater hike, which is awesome. Um, but I'm gonna recommend a few other places that you can eat and do your thing. So my favorite plate lunch place, and we'll probably have to, we should probably talk about plate lunch as well. Yes. Um, I mean, why don't you, why, let's talk about it now, right? Explain to, <laughs> explain to listeners what a plate lunch is. Plate lunch is like the quintessential Hawaiian meal. Super simple. You get two scoops of rice, one scoop of mac salad, you, and then you pick your protein. 
So you could do barbecue beef or like local mocha with hamburger patties and eggs could be pork or spam, spam, pork cutlet. Like you really pick your protein, but it's the staple is that you get scoops of rice, scoops of macaroni salad, and then you pick your protein. And it's like, you know, six bucks. It's super filling. It's, it comes with, you know, Hawaiian gravy on top. It's plate lunch is the quintessential Hawaiian meal. And a welcome bargain in a state that will gouge you at every turn. Oh, my right? God. Like everything's totally. imported in Hawaii. Yeah. So it's expensive. It's an expensive. So if you're there on a budget, you know, even if, look, even if you're not there on a budget, you should do a Hawaii plate, a Hawaiian plate lunch For sure. at least once. To me, they're yeah. like, like the way that taco stands litter the uh, the LA landscape. That's what, yeah, that's yeah. what plate lunch spots in Hawaii <laughs> yeah, are to me. Yeah. There's, there's like no shortage of them and they're all killer. And they're roadside. They're like, sometimes they're little <laughs> shacks. It's like, it's really fun to just have a plate lunch. Yeah. So my favorite spot is called Rainbow Drive-In. They've got a few, ex- they've got a few locations but my the one that I always go to is just east of Waikiki um, and it's like no frills I won't even spend much time talking about it you basically order at the counter and then you sit on park benches and they bring your food out or you, you go grab your food at the counter in a styrofoam box and just eat it with chopsticks and it's great it's killer you can walk you can be out of there and stuff your face for less than 15 bucks I'm sure you grab a drink and some plate lunch follow your heart again um, Ra- Rainbow is Rainbow Driving is solid Nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nice, nice, nice. Um, and then a few a uh, few minutes drive from Rainbow Drive-In is a spot called Leonard's Bakery where you go to get malasadas. Yes. Shout out to <laughs> Leonard's. I've been there. Take it away, Matt. Oh, my God. Again, it's a spot that's going to be sort of trafficked. Everybody goes there, but you got to go get yeah. malasadas. They're like, I guess the best thing, I, the best way I can describe them is like Hawaiian, don- or Hawaiian or Portuguese donuts. Sort of like yeah. sort of like beignets, but they're fluffy. You can get them either with or without cream in the middle. Go grab yeah. a half dozen. Again, another great spot to grab a t-shirt, but just grab them and sit outside. Yeah, Portuguese in origin mm-hmm. and usually coated with uh, sugar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. dusted in sugar. Yeah. yeah. And so yummy when they're fresh. Yeah, so after you so are good. stuffed full of plate lunch and you're ready for more food, <laughs> go not too far from there and go to Leonard's Bakery. And then the last and, place, the la- and, oh, sorry, wait, we ahead. should say that like Leonard's is one of those like old school places. Super old. Leonard's school. is not like this like hipster. It's been around for years. Forever. And years. It's a legend yeah. and it's great. Yeah, 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 yeah. Staple of the island for sure. Right. So the last spot that I'll recommend is a little bit of a, a departure from that. It is in downtown Honolulu, and it's a speakeasy called Bar oh, nice. Le- called Bar Leather Apron. Uh, this place is awesome. So it's downtown Honolulu. It's sort of hard to find because it's in a it's in a, like a downtown financial building called I think the Topa Financial Center. Um, and it's I mean to use to use your favorite slogan, it is a hipster paradise. It's <laughs> like it's the best spot to go. So bartenders wear suspenders and newsboy hats. I had an amazing drink called the Sagano Smoke, which has like scotch and matcha green tea. Like th- that's the type. Those are the types of drinks that you'll find at this place. So it's another great one to go get like one or two. And I would say like, don't stroll in with your sandy feet and your board shirts, go home, change, rinse off, put it on Aloha shirt and some slacks and then go out and go to this place. Cause it, it's like a nice, cool speakeasy to grab a drink or two. Okay. So the only, that sounds amazing, by the way, the only <laughs> recommendation I have, I'm going to pair with your recommendation. <gasps> Is it like dinner before cocktails? Or- yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes, yes, <laughs> yes. So speaking of like hipster paradise, yeah. but, but a recommendation that was given to me that I really loved is um, Honolulu has quite the robust Chinatown, as you mm-hmm, would expect, mm-hmm. because a lot of uh, Asian people have settled in on the Hawaiian Islands. So there's a place, I mean, you know, of course, I went to Chinatown instead of going to like an amazing, authentic hole in the wall. I found like the like, you know, uh, uh, hipster, hipster joy. But there's a really great place there called... Um, uh, the pig and the lady. Mm. And this is an expression that you've used before. It's not 
traditional, it's not like Americanized uh, Chinese food. It's not traditional Chinese food. It's like a chef's take on Chinese food, ah, right? Nice. You've used that expression yeah. before. It's really, really yummy. Um, I checked. It's still open. You know, because of COVID, you kind of have to look at these things. So I think you could go there first. Fill your fill yourself up with yummy, like sort of a chef's take on Chinese food, and then uh, and then head Great, on over grab a to, nightcap um, at Bar Leather Apron. Yeah, at Bar Leather Apron. Yeah, yeah. So uh, that's that's how to do Oahu in a whirlwind three or four days from me. So where are we headed next? We are now headed to the island of Maui, mm. the oft visited island of Maui. Right, <laughs> like this is this has become sort of the new vacation land. I think for yeah. a lot of. Americans who are, you know, going to Hawaii for the first time, kind of want an island that has it all, maybe doesn't want to go to Oahu because they don't want to be around a big city. Everybody goes to Maui. Mm -hmm. And Maui is, Maui Maui checks a lot of requisite Hawaiian boxes, right? Like it's super beautiful. And there's a couple of really like historic towns. There's also like really fancy, like, you know, uh, communities where you can like resent a, sorry, resent. Was that a Freudian slip? Where you can rent, (laughs) where you can (laughs) where you can rent like a a stunning beachfront condo, right? You can have like five-star meals in Maui. You can kind of do it all. You can also find like secluded beaches. So I'm actually going to give you my recs via the four days I spent there, okay? Mm. But I'm not going to go through, you know, everything I did. But so I got there at like, on like an evening. Now I stayed uh, in a place called the Maui Sunseeker. It's not there anymore. It's in a community called uh, Kihei. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right. Mm-hmm. K-I-H-E-I. Mm-hmm. So it's a, it's a place where it, it has a lot of affordable hotels. A lot of people stay there. It's near Wailea, which is the real fancy community. It's like just down the street. So it's kind of like adjacent to all the luxury, you know, all the golf courses and all the mansions and all the big fancy, you know, four seasons and stuff like that. But it's a, it's a great little community. And the place I stayed is now the um, Kohia Kai Maui. So it's still there. Uh, the reason I'm recommending it is because, so I can't vouch for what, how it is now because it's completely changed hands, but it's an oceanfront property. So when you're hanging out there, like the sunsets are magical. Mm. It's also not a, ho- a traditional hotel. It is like set up like bungalow style, right? Mm. Where it's like, you kind of like wander the grounds and it's just like, it's only like a couple stories. And so it's just something different. Mm, so- I told you I got up at the crack of dawn all four days I was there. And each morning that I did, I did something epic. So the first day, I did not need to get up this early. But I did because I was like, I'm going to beat the crowds. And really, the the crowds never materialized. But I drove the famous road to Hana. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the road to Hana is beautiful. It's the real deal. Um, A few things people should know about it, right? It's not long. It's only like 60 miles. Mm When you get to Hana, Hana is nothing. It's like a little village where, you know, maybe you could get some banana bread or whatever, like, and then you just turn around and go back. It's not like you haven't reached like Xanadu or something where you're just going to (laughs) like spend the rest of your vacation. But the drive is famous for being, you know, you're in your little car. You might want to get a fun vehicle for this drive. You can do it in a half day. You know, um, it's really twisty. There's all these like hairpin turns. And while you're driving, you might be sprayed by like the mist from waterfalls, right? And you might be like, you know what? Let's pull over and jump right in. You know, like if it's <laughs> if it's in the right season, the rainy season where they're going to be, you know, the pools are, where the where the waterfalls are gushing and the pools are full. Like there are many stops along the way where you can just like hop right in the water. Okay, so a, a few key things about the road to Hana. 
Um, definitely, like getting banana bread in Hawaii is a thing to do. Mm-hmm. I'm not like some banana bread fanatic, but I also was like, I'm going to be on the road all day. Let's get some fuel. So I stopped at a very iconic place called Aunt Sandy's. Mm. So go to get go to Aunt Sandy's for banana bread. I was like, I mean, I told you I got up at four in the morning. So I was the first one. Like I was like knocking <laughs> on the door. They're like, we're not open for another two hours. Like, what are you doing? <laughs> But they baked me up some banana bread, and it was because I was the first one there, and because I got there right when they opened, it was the freshest banana bread. So I just oh. nibbled it, hunks of it all day. So that was great. Um, there is uh, a few great places to do um, along the way. Um, I'm, you know what? I'm forgetting now, but there's a great red sand beach. Maybe I'll look it up as we're, as we're talking sure. on the road to Hana. But you know what? The thing about the road to Hana is it's just, it's just – so vista filled, right? Like there is no, there is no twist or turn that doesn't reveal a beautiful landscape. But when you get to the end, you know, you'll turn around and you'll kind of make a beeline back. Now, was it, sorry to interrupt. Was it Kaihalulu beach? Yes, it was. There we go. Yes, it was. There you go. So thank you for doing that. Like quick, that quick, you're, you're quicker at the keys. In fact, when I said like, I'll have to look it up. I was like, I hope he looks it up. I hope he looks it up. I got you back. So, yeah, and it's beautiful, and it's, you know, like, Hawaii's great because there's, like, green sand beaches, there's black sand beaches, there's mm-hmm. red sand be- there's, like, everything there, depending on which island you're on and which part of the island you're on. Uh, and for dinner that night, treat yourself to Mama's Fish House. Mm. So this is one of those, like, famous places. It's super old school. It's on the north. You don't, you don't say North Shore in Maui, I don't think, but it's on the North Shore, yeah. right? Like, it's right. Um, it's right on the ocean. So it's actually right on a beach. So you can either dine right on the sand facing the ocean, or you can dine in the dining room, and of course, get a table right at the... And, you know, it's like everything is fresh caught, right? So it's like you order it, and they're like, all right, bring the boats in. Go get some <laughs> snapper for table two. You know, it's yeah. like that kind of seafood. So that's a really fun place to go. On my second morning there... I uh, drove up to, I'm going to pronounce it wrong, mm-hmm. Hala, Hala Akala National Park. I don't know what you're trying to say. Yeah, but it's sure. spelled H-A-L-E-A-K-A-L-A. <laughs> but this is where you go and you do the sunrise over the volcano. Mm. So I got up at like four in the morning. I drove up there. It's completely frightening because you're driving up the side of a volcano in pitch black. And you're like, if I turn the wheel three degrees to the right, I'm going to tumble into the abyss. <laughs> but you get up there and I got up there and like everybody was there. Yeah. This is the famous volcano in Maui where people bike ride down, mm-hmm. right? You take like all day and you do like, you get a guide and you like bike down it gradually and you stop along the way and the guide illuminates the history. But when you get up there, you watch the sunset. And by the way, it's freezing up there. Yeah. Right. Like, yeah, yeah. let's be clear. Like, this is like, this is up in, this is the top of a volcano. You're, <laughs> you're, you're looking over the rim. So, this is like high elevation. So, bring a jacket, bring a blanket, you know, bring your morning coffee or your, um, you know, your Kahlua and coffee or whatever, <laughs> whatever gets you going. And then um, once the sun rises, everybody applauses. And then there's a, a traditional Hawaiian dances performed. Mm. So, that's a really fun thing to do. On day three, I got up. At the crack of dawn, and I did the Molokini Crater. So mm. this is like a crescent moon. It's like you can see it. You can see it above the water. Like if you look on a map, you can see it off the coast of Hawaii. But it's a little crescent moon. Uh, but the thing to do is to snorkel it. Now, most of the boats get there. You know, the boats go and hang out there all day long. Like it's a famous snorkel and dive spot. So most boats get there at like 10, noon, 2. And it's just, it's just like, you know, it's filthy with people, right? <laughs> but... There is a sunrise tour 
where you get on the boat at like five in the morning and you know so you get there right as the sun breaks and you're the first you're the first pe- people in the water now on the morning we did it matt the water was extremely choppy like so choppy that like it, they couldn't bring the boat to shore so we had to go wade into the water like four or five feet deep P- parents had to carry their children on their shoulders or the guides had to like help. The, and it was like the boat was rocking so high up and down that you had to grab that ladder right at the right moment. It was a little perilous, but of course added to the excitement. <laughs> and so, and the snorkeling was very good. Now I'm a little spoiled because I've snorkeled the Great Barrier Reef before. And so, but it was very good. And sure enough, as we were leaving, you could just see the boats arriving in mass. So yeah. I'm glad we got up and did it, the, you know, the version of the crack of dawn. And then on my last morning there, I did the Maui half marathon. Oh, okay? nice. So again, I mean, you've done these kind of, you know, long distance, you know, endurance runs before. They're usually at like 6 a.m. <laughs> you know, you get up early for them, right? But the reason I bring this up, because most people aren't going to go run a marathon when they're in Hawaii, is that the starting point is the town of Lahaina. Mm-hmm. Yeah, on and the so West this, Shore. Right, and, and this is probably Maui's most famous town, right? Mm-hmm. Like it's an old, it's an old like whaling village or whaling seaport. Um, you know, it's now the, the waterfront is really pretty. You can stroll along it. There's great places for shaved ice. Mm-hmm. It almost has a little bit of a like Wild West vibe to it. Like it feels like it's maybe like a hundred years old, like it was built during that era. Um, you know, you can get good food. There's all kinds of, you know, tourist shops too that are peddling like, you know, like oh, there's art galleries and there's like, you know, clothing stores and all that stuff. But it's just a nice little town. Yeah. Um, I'm going to give a couple more recommendations before we part the island of Maui. Um, a couple other places. Uh, a great place to have lunch is Coconuts Fish Cafe. So I discovered this. It's in the town of Kihei. It was in a shopping mall. Like it was in like a strip mall. But it was like now, I, full disclosure, Matt, like I'm not like a seafood aficionado. Right? Like I like <laughs> seafood, but I'm raised in the Midwest. So I came to it late, right? Like, sure. you know, when I was a kid, it was like perch and fish sticks were like all you had, right? Like <laughs> it was just not like today where fresh caught seafood is flown in daily or, you know, or it's farmed and brought in, right? So I thought these fish tacos were the best thing since sliced bread. And... There's now one in downtown Los Angeles. So if you're listening and you live in LA, you can go to Coconuts Fish Cafe. But I love this so much. I went back like several times. Mm. And then another place I love, if you're like, if you just want like a great date night restaurant or even a place like to take your family, a place in, um, again, it's also in Kihei, but it's toward Wailea is Monkey Pod Kitchen. Ooh, great and I want to say there's, yeah, it's totally, it's a great name. And I want to say there's two locations on the island. But the reason it's so great is because the food feels fresh. It feels authentic. It feels alive, but it's also one of those, uh, I mean like alive with flavors, but it's also one of those restaurants that has a big enough menu that everyone's going to be happy. Mm. Right? Like it's not like one of those like six item, you know, menus where you're like, Oh yeah, there's just nothing for me. I'm a vegetarian. Or there's nothing. <laughs> sure, you know, sure, sure. It's just got, it's got that right balance of like, yeah, everyone's going to be pleased. Um, and my, you know, my other, my other Maui takeaways are that you know, it's just a beautiful island. It can get awfully crowded. I think driving can get awfully crowded in Maui. So, you know, it's, it's, a, it's an island you might want to try to visit in a, in a lower peak time. I was there in January, which I thought was a great time of year to be mm. there. And it was still crowded enough that I thought like, boy, I'm glad I'm not here in summer or over the holidays, peak season. But, um, but you know, Maui is, uh, Maui is a gem. Now, an island that everyone should go to, that it sounds like you know a lot about and I know a little about, is Kauai. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Kauai is called the Garden Island, um, and it is much quieter 
than some of its bigger brothers. Um, I, I would say that Kauai is known, it's like very lush green landscape across the whole island. It's really known for amazing hikes and mountains, but there's literally like one road, like one road that that goes around the perimeter of it. So for you to get from one end to the island, it's not like you can cut through the middle of it. You sort of have to go through this one road and see the whole perimeter of the island. Um, and you can really drive, it's a smaller island too, so you can drive from one end to the other in like less than two hours. Um, totally. Yeah. yeah. So I, I think that if you're doing, if you're going for Hawaii to Hawaii for a week, I don't think I don't, I certainly don't have enough recommendations to fill seven days in Kauai. I, I think that Kauai is a great island hop. So book your stay originally in Maui or Oahu and then go to Kauai for two or three days. Um, but, but, yeah. you know, take advantage of the island hopping. Yeah. And Matt, you know what I love about when you said driving around the island, mm-hmm. right? Like there's sort of that one road that rings the perimeter, you know, like, when I got to Kauai, I was like, how come, you know, like in the, in the same way that Ma- Maui has the road to Hana, mm-hmm. I was like, oh, I don't get it. I'm driving and it's so beautiful. How come there's, this isn't considered a famous road trip? But it's because every road in Kauai is beautiful. <laughs> and right? it's like all one road. <laughs> right, right, right. But the whole thing, there is no like B-side. Yep. Right? It's like everything is spectacular. Everywhere you look, you'll see beauty. Yeah, yeah. we... we- uh, we should have said this earlier, but absolutely rent a car or a scooter or some kind of transport when you get there. I think you'll be happy to have it so you can traverse the island. What often happens, and this was our experience, especially when we went to Kauai, is that there is super high demand for like Jeep Wranglers because people want to have the top down, but then also like minivans and family cars. There's huge demand for those too. So those are all gone. So we booked like a you know Ford Fiesta or something like that, some economy car, and we got there and they were like, do you want a brand new Ford Mustang instead? And we were like, sure. So we took it, we revved out of the parking lot and then saw that the speed limit on like the whole island is 30 miles an hour. And it's like small twisty (laughs) roads. And those sports cars drive like boats when you go slow. So don't be tricked. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyways, um, so so when you land from your day trip, whatever, head straight for, you're going to be hungry, head straight for this small spot that's nearish by called Mark's Place, M-A-R-K, plate lunch. It is a tiny shack in the middle of like construction yards. Not a whole lot going on. You would never really find this place otherwise. Um, there are no seats inside. That's how small it is. You basically like have these, they like school lunch benches outside. So you order at the counter, you get plate lunch and some of the pre-wrapped spam masubi. You go outside, you sit on the park benches and and enjoy it. But that's like a great fill-up meal after a, a hop flight from between the islands. And so this is this is right by the airport. Yeah, 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 right nearby. In uh, I, Li, Lihu, is that how you pronounce the name of the town? L I H U E. Lihui. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and so once you've had your fill, I don't actually have a great recommendation of place to stay and i'm hoping that you might because we stayed in poipu which is like littered with nice resorts so we grabbed one and it was a good time but like you know i don't really remember it all that much do you have a a place to stay right yeah i do because lahui if i'm pronouncing that right lahui is on the eastern side of the island kind of right in the middle Mm -hmm. and i knew that mike's i knew that my explorations were going to take me both to the north south i was going to go all the way around the island but i was like i'm only here for like 40 hours i have to make the most of it i think i want to stay right close to the airport so I can like check out, drop off my car, and get on that flight to the Big Island. So I actually stayed at a great little place uh, called Kauai Palms Hotel. Mm. And it was a total budget option. It was like, you know, it's like in an unspectacular little neighborhood, although Lahui is a nice, safe town. You know, there's, I don't know if there's any bad side of town. But um, it was super budget friendly. And it was kind of like apartment style. Mm. 
you know, so it kind of looked like what you'd see here in Los Angeles, like Melrose Place, you know, like that TV show, you know, where it's just like, it had no swimming pool, yeah. but it's where it's like, you know, just like little rooms with like a little terrace and you just kind of walked, you know, it's like, and I want to say too, Matt, Kauai has chickens everywhere, right? <laughs> yeah. It's like yeah, a very natural island. <laughs> totally. You know, we should remind people that like Hawaii in places is quite rustic. Totally. You know, like outside of like the fancy resorts, a lot of Hawaii will feel throwback to you. You'll like get there and you'll be like, oh, it's like, yeah, there's chickens running around. Yeah. And it's just kind of, it just feels very kind of like natural and you're in the, tro- you know, it's just tropical. And, yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's I mean, refreshing. just like real talk for a sec, there is a lot of poverty on the island of Hawaii too, mm, because mm-hmm. tourism is the primary industry and not everybody can or wants to work in that. Yeah. So just that as a side note too, that is part of what makes a lot of the islands feel the way that they do is actual yeah. poverty. Yeah. Yeah. And I guess, I guess maybe... What, what I'm saying then is that, you know, because the islands are small, you'll probably see it. Yes. Oh, absolutely. You'll see right, it. Yeah. Right, right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so I, so that, I, but, that, but that's a great budget option uh, if, if you're so inclined. The um, Kauai Palms Hotel in Lahui. Good. I'm so glad that you had one because I, I don't have yeah. one. So my recommendations are easy to get to if you're staying in Poipu on the south, southern side of the island or even Lahui. It's not super far. A um, couple, couple of places that I loved. On the, if you head west, uh, it's Kalaheo Coffee. A cafe and coffee co it's another just awesome spot for breakfast we drove out there first thing in the morning it's like close it close ish to classic diner food you order at the counter mm-hmm. you get a number you get like you know a giant latte so it's great for the gram too um but order whatever you want grab some baked goods from the counter i had a kalua pork eggs benedict which killed so really good breakfast and coffee spot to start mm, um nice. and then uh head out to there's a small town called Hanapepe. There's a cool attraction called the Hanapepe Swinging Bridge, which is exactly that. It's a long, narrow bridge that, you know, across a body of water in, next to this small town. And it's like rickety. You can take pictures from it, but it's it's a cool attraction. But Hanapepe is a small town that's a lot of like, it's like mostly art galleries and some small restaurants. Mm-hmm. There's like not a ton going on there. Uh, mm-hmm. Some little shops, but if you were there at night, Friday nights, I'm hoping that they still do this. Maybe not right now, but Friday nights they do like the Hanapepe block party. So there, mm. there are food trucks, there are makeshift art stands. All the art galleries open their door for people to just come walk through. Um, everybody's walking in the streets. It's really cool. So it's like a proper block party that you can go and enjoy. Now, wh- I'm sorry, which direction is Hanapepe from Lahui? It's on the western side of the island. On the western side, so you drive south to get to it. Correct, yeah, you have to traverse the bottom part of the, the island to get to the west. Okay, as you're leaving Lahui, Matt, did you happen to, um, I don't know when the last time you've been into uh, Kauai is, but have you uh, ever been to Warehouse 3540? No. I want to bring that up real fast because you're talking about like this sort of hip scene that happens at night in the town of Hanapepe, but like I stopped at this place and it's just a big warehouse where like artisans can set up their like little like craft tables mm. and people are selling like shaved ice and Hawaiian food. And then, you know, like, uh, like you can get a plate lunch and then there's like lots of artisans selling like crafts and goods. And it's just kind of like hip and cool and right off the side of the road. So, so if people are, and again, you know, as Matt said, this Island is small. You can drive around the whole thing in a couple hours. Yeah. So, you know, uh, you will probably at some point pass warehouse 3540. <laughs> sure. Feel free to pull over, check it out. It's kind of fun. Yeah. What a great wreck. How cool. Yeah. Um, so the only other like food and bev recommendation that I have is actually on the northern side of the island. There's a, I'd say the most famous spot is called Princeville on the northern side of the island. Yes. And it's yeah, a tiki spot called Tiki Iniki, and it's in the Princeville Shopping Center. Yeah. Um, it's like an old school Hawaiian tiki bar. There are nets draping the bar and the shelves are lined with like vintage tiki mugs. You you can eat. They've got food. But to me, tiki bars are all about the drinks. And so if you want to like throw your life away, try a drink called the Flaming Zombie. <laughs> it's got five types of rum and they light it on flyer. 
Um, and like to me, these tiki spots are fun in general. But the best part about this spot, Tiki Iniki, is that it's like super affordable. That drink mm. I just mentioned is thirteen bucks, and all the other you know like stacked full tiki drinks are like nine or ten bucks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. great old school Hawaiian tiki spot. Mm, yeah, love old school tiki. <laughs> so yeah. the last things that I'll mention are just a couple of attractions. Again, like this is called the Garden State, so it has some of the most incredible natural landscape of any of the islands, in my opinion. A few few spots that are not to miss: the Nepali Coast. Everybody goes there to Kauai to hike the Nepali Coast, and it is one of the most awe-inspiring and jaw-dropping hikes that you can and will ever do. Like when you see stock photos of huge Hawaiian mountains covered in green, it's probably pictures yep. of the Nepali coast. Yep. Um, yep. And when you think of any good hike that you've ever done, beautiful views, waterfalls, wildlife, lush greenery, Nepali has it all. There yeah, are, there, it is a showstopper. It's a showstopper. That's a great word yeah. for it. Yeah. yeah. There are there are a ton of different paths and hikes available. Look them up and follow your heart. Um, but a lot of them lead to secret beaches that have just like mm. turquoise blue, crystal clear water, golden beaches, huge tide pools. So I would advise you when you go on your hike to bring, um, you know, water shoes if you have them, but like board shorts or your swimsuit and a towel just in case you end up at one of these secret beaches and want to dive in and refresh before your hike back. So that one is that is is really amazing, and I definitely recommend it, even though it's it's visited by everybody who goes to Kauai. And the last, yeah, and go ahead. Wait, hold on. A, a great. Are you going to stick with the Nepali coast here? Go ahead. Jump. Okay, because if you want to see the Nepali, so the Nepali coast to see it from a distance is incredible. Mm, so yeah. another way to experience the coast, I. I think hiking it is a wonderful idea. I did not do that. And I, I had to look at the island from afar and be like, oh, I want to go hike it. But I do recommend getting out on the water and seeing it. And so I took um, a tour with a tour group called Blue Ocean Adventure Tours. Mm. And it was this fun experience, like young kind of hippie chick. She was like the captain of our boat. We took um, we took one of those boats that's like a glorified raft. It's like sure, a raft yeah. with like a motor. So you had to like hang on tight. I mean, it was a little borderline like, mm, are we going to lose our lunch here? Like, <laughs> and we, This was in January, so the waves were high. But once you get out there, you have the entire Nepali coast. You're seeing it from a distance. Like, like the difference between being in a city and seeing the city skyline from stepping outside the mm, downtown area. Yeah. That's what this felt like on a boat staring at the entirety of the coast just being like oh my gosh and then of course we jumped in the water and drove you know swam up to some coves and hung out and that was yeah. great i'm glad you recommended that because mm -hmm. i've not done something like that before and i think a lot of people would love to see the yeah. coast from a distance like that it's also worth recognizing right that like that's something like my parents probably don't want to hike the nepali coast at this point in their life <laughs> they would probably prefer to get on a boat not a raft but a, like a legit boat and just go look at it yeah you know? yeah, yeah great rec so those are actually all my top spots for Kauai. again it's a smaller island i think Really, you could do it and get your fill in two two nights. You know, two two nights, three days. Yeah, yeah. Awesome. Yeah. All right, we are going to talk about one more island before moving on. Uh, I don't have a ton. Of, this is it's my favorite island. I'm absolutely obsessed with the island of Hawaii, mm. or what's typically called, you know, it's colloquially referred to as the Big Island. Uh, I love it. I love it because it's the youngest of the Hawaiian islands. There are active volcanoes on it. And that means the island is filled with black sand beaches. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and, you can, and also not just black sand beaches, but um, uh, lava flow. Yeah, from the active volcanoes, yeah. So, that, so it's pretty amazing. So uh, the, reason I, the reason I went and visited last year, like I said uh, earlier in the episode, I booked a trip to Hawaii specifically to go to the Big Island. I spent two days on Kauai, which we just talked about. And then I went over to the Big Island. And the reason was I wanted to do 
the Manta Ray Night Swim. Have you heard of this? No. What is that? Oh, it is like, it's not just one of the best things you can do in Hawaii. In fact, I will call it the best thing I've done in Hawaii. It is a bucket list adventure you just need to have on your list. Mm. So it's great. So most people who visit the Big Island, and the Big Island is big. There's the, there's the, you know, the Kona side, which mm-hmm. is where all the resorts are. That's where I flew into the um, Kailua Kona side. And Kailua Kona is nice. There's a fun little downtown. Um, it's busy. You know, there's like resorts. There's a little bit of a nightlife. You can find like a little bit of a restaurant scene. But that's where you want to go if you want to do the Manta Ray Night Swim. Nice. So I booked mine with Hang Loose Boat Tours, which I thought was great. Although there's a lot of other ones too. Uh, Jack's Dive Locker is supposed to be a good one. Now, I did not dive because I'm not certified. I just snorkeled. But what happens is you get in the water right around sunset and you spend an hour on the boat, maybe not an hour, maybe about 45 minutes, driving down the coast to this area where the, where the manta rays hang out. Mm. And then they, uh, you, you jump onto this, you jump in the water and you all float on the water, right? But you hang onto this bar, right? It's like a circular bar. So everyone's hanging. So it's like everyone's like on a different part of the bar, right? But it's, it's circular shaped. And in the middle of it is this like box that's feeding out plankton, right? <laughs> and then it also includes a light that shines into the water. And the manta ray love this plankton because that's what they feed on. So you just hang out there, put your face down, and wait for the manta ray. And when they come, they will put on a show for you. <laughs> they will put on a show. Their wingspan is like 8 to 10 feet. They're huge. They're huge. They are huge. These are not like the little rays you might see, like the stingrays that are A here in Southern California. Yeah. They, they are huge. They will swim. Sometimes they will collide. They will like bump into each other and then just swim. It's like they're doing a ballet. Mm. Uh, they, because they're feeding on the plankton that's coming out from this little box, you will see into their mouths. You, I mean, their mouths are gigantic and you're just like staring into their souls. I mean, <laughs> it's crazy. I mean, I we hung out there for a while. We weren't really getting much. There's a lot of other boats out there. So I was kind of like, hey, come to our, you know, come to our area. And so I, you kind of see one swim by. You see one in the distance. And you think like, oh, that's enough. And then they just came to our little feeding machine mm. and just, I mean, for like, I don't know, 20 minutes, just put on a show. It was absolutely beautiful. Some other big island highlights. If you're on the, uh, I guess the rainy side is called the leeward side, right? Uh, I don't know. Sure. Yeah, I think Leeward <laughs> is the rainy side. Someone will correct us if we're wrong. But this is a totally fun site. Now, the big, um, the big town over there is called Hilo, mm-hmm. right? It's actually the second largest city in Hawaii after Honolulu. But when I say big city, it's like 70,000 people. Yeah. It's not big at all. <laughs> but the real fun town to go to is Pahoa. Mm. So this is like this like kind of little Wild West town. It's like three blocks long. It's just been invaded by like young hippies who have just like you know, given up, you know, given up the stressful life, moved to Hawaii. Like this is the kind of crowd that like Hana, like Oahu is probably too like urban for them. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> sure. But it's this great little funky little hippie town. You can find like great little ethnic restaurants in it. Great little like saloons. Pahoa is great. There's also a great little beach nearby called Kahina Black Sand Beach. So like this is, it's a black sand beach to go to. The, the surf is intense. Mm. Like it's intense. So be careful if you go in the water. But on Sundays, they do these drum jams, and you'll just get this, like, people coming from all around, hippies, old hippies, young hippies, running around naked, jumping into the surf, smoking pot, banging on drums. It's a really, really fun scene. Mm. Uh, A couple other highlights. uh, uh, Kahina 
Black, sorry, Kahina Black Sand Beach is the beach I was just telling you about. Uh, Punalu Beach is a famous black sand beach on the, I want to say the south shore or the south side of the mm. island. And it's famous because this is a nesting ground for green and hawksbill turtles. Whoa. So in season, it's a great place to just see them, you know, crawling around on the black sand. So that's really fun. I've been to the beach. I was not there during nesting season, so I did not see them. Uh, and then the last thing is, if you're driving to Pahoa, that little hippie town I was telling you about, you're going to be driving on Highway 130, and then when you get to the coast, it's going to take a sharp turn at 137, and right at that moment, you will see all this like mountains of undulating, hardened black lava <sighs> that you can walk on. It's just, it is literally newly formed earth. It's like oh baby God. earth. <laughs> it's baby earth. You will probably see a roadside stand selling shaved ice. It was there when I was there. Mm. I stopped and grabbed some. And nobody was walking on the, on the lava, but I did. Mm. I mean, it's perfectly safe to sure, do so. It's, sure, been, sure. it's been there for years and years and years. But it's newly formed earth. And you just walk out and you're like, I'm on the moon. Yeah. Like, this is the <laughs> coolest thing ever. There is, you know, the big island is huge. It's full of gems. I'm only touching the surface, but I, I'm a big island cheerleader. I think it's big, diverse, and fun. And so I highly recommend it. Oh, and of course, of course, of course, of course, the marquee attraction when you're near Hilo and Pahoa is Hawaii's Volcano National Park which I have driven through and you can see like, you can, you know, you can look over the crater and see lava flow and you can see steam vents and it's beautiful. I happen to be there on kind of a, a kind of an overcast rainy day, but it's, it's absolutely beautiful. So yeah. I would be remiss in not mentioning that you need to visit um, Hawaii Volcanoes National Park. Yeah. Great Rex. We, we continue to hear from listeners that what is resonating with them the most and what's the most fun is for them to actually relive the trips that they've taken and then maybe pick up a few new spots. And so I think for those who have been to Hawaii, we're hoping that you have been to some of the places that we mentioned. We tried to you know pick a mix of tourist attractions and things that are off the beaten path too, but <laughs> hopefully we hit it. Now, are you ready, Matt, for our next segment what happened here? Yeah, we, uh, I am ready. And I've been, I've been looking forward to, but a little bit nervous about this one. We're going to change attitude mm. a little bit. So what happened here is a storytelling segment of our podcast where we dive into the history or an interesting story about a destination or theme. So I, I want to reemphasize here at the top my personal connection um, to this story in this place. I am mm -hmm. half Hawaiian, but I am absolutely white presenting. So I, I have a strange relationship where I feel really protective of Hawaii and how people treat it while also benefiting from, um, the, I guess, like the privilege of being a white person. Mm -hmm. um, so just wanted to name that. And so I feel that it's like pretty profoundly important for travelers to know the story of, of Hawaii and, and how we came to our relationship with it so that we can continue to engage with, enjoy, and, and really help preserve Hawaiian culture. Um, so very few people I know, and I'm curious if you do, know the story of how Hawaii became a state. Are you familiar with this story? I am not one of those people who knows how Hawaii became a state, but I know that it was its own kingdom. It was, yeah. At one point. Yeah, it was. I think the general gist that I've heard before is that it was sort of like mm. an, an amicable partnership that was birthed from it. Spoiler, that's not really how it happened. <laughs> so we're going to debunk that story and just tell the story of how Hawaii became a 50, our 50th and most recent United State. So it's estimated that Native Hawaiians first arrived to the islands like 1,500 years ago. And as best as I can tell, there isn't a ton of record of, of what happened during that history. So we're actually going to pick up with the story of Kamehameha I, the great king of Hawaii. Are you familiar with that name? I am not. Kamehameha. Okay, good. Then I get to tell you and fill you in on some, some fun history. So yeah. I'm, I'm highlighting him. He was the first great king of Hawaii, but his story reads like folklore. It's, it's amazing. He's best known for uniting the Hawaiian Islands during a time of what was immense cultural change. So prior to this, like you mentioned, Hawaii 
uh, well, Hawaii was a kingdom, but before that, it was like actually a series of chiefdoms ruled by a bunch of different royal families. And Kamehameha was born into one of those royal families. So just before his birth, a bright star that some now believe like to be a 1700s passing of Halley's Comet shone through the sky. And when, and when the Hawaiian mystic priests saw this, they prophesied that a great leader was about to be born who would defeat mm-hmm. all his rivals and come to rule the islands. So when he was born, the ruling chief at the time became really fearful of the prophecy and ordered the baby be, to be put to death. So while the chiefs like waited outside the birthing house, the mother's attendants cut a hole in the structure and whisked the baby away into the mountains like within minutes of his birth. And he stayed hidden for years because the warring clans thought that he was a potential threat. So at this time... But this is folklore. This is his story. No, this is his story. I, I, okay, okay, that's, okay. Maybe, that's yeah. maybe a good question. Is that like, it's, I'm sure that some of it is like a blend of, of, yeah, of lore yeah, yeah, yeah. and truth. But as yeah. best as I can tell, like this is his story from all the history okay, records. Okay, I mean, I understand that he's real. I just didn't know if he was literally whisked through a... Okay, I okay, mean, it's yeah. really like some biblical shit. Like this is really... Yeah, yeah, yeah it is. <laughs> it's like Jesus being hidden from Herod or Moses escaping from Pharaoh. It's like very... But it's gripping. It's, oh, good, good, good. It's like very has parallels to some of these other stories. So uh, the name Kamehameha means the one set apart. So it was like he had a life destined for greatness. So he quickly in growing up became a celebrated warrior who was described as a tall, strong, physically fearless man who, quote, moved in an aura of violence. I don't really know what Mm. that means, but that is like somebody who I don't really want to be within 50 yards of. (laughs) So he grew up in an environment where there was like constant jockeying for power, which he himself wanted a lot more of. So I'm going to do a big fast forward. And just say that after years of fighting between the islands and rulers, mm-hmm. that included betrayal from allies, the calling on of a war god, a whole army falling off a cliff, like so many other horrors of war. In 1810, Kamehameha finally became the ruler of the Hawaiian Islands. And what mm-hmm. had previously been a disconnected set of chiefdoms was now one united kingdom. And he ruled for the next nine years, I believe, until uh, 1819 when he died nine years later. Okay. Yeah, so in in our Beaches episode, calling back a few, we talked about Captain James Cook. He He's probably another name that you see all across the island and that you and, and a lot of people sure. will probably know. He's a famous explorer. When I, yeah. yeah, when I stayed on the big island, I stayed in the town of Captain Cook at a little Airbnb. Yeah, I mean, you can't yeah. you can't not run yep. into his influence when you go to the island. And the reason is right. because he's, he's noted as the first European to land in Hawaii. So after he did that, in the years after his arrival, um, while they were still infighting between the islands... His arrival opened the door and, and really a lot of Europeans began to influence various Hawaiian chieftains and the war itself when they would come and explore this beautiful place. So slowly over time, more and more Europeans and eventually Americans arrived in Hawaii and were becoming integrated in the culture because they were sticking around. The first Christian missionaries arrived um, just shortly after Kamehameha's death in 1820, and they were very successful in converting native Hawaiians to Christianity. And that was like the, the people of Hawaii. Afterwards, they also started developing relationships with the monarchs of Hawaii, which you know further spread their influence. And this, in my mind, was the beginning of like the slow reformation of native Hawaiian culture, which is replaced by the culture and, and values of like white Protestant settlers, both European mm-hmm. and American. Right. So we talked in the Beaches episode about how missionaries banned surfing, claiming that it promoted the free mingling of the sexes, little clothing, gambling, mm-hmm. and that which diverted Hawaiians from, quote, honest labors. Like all my favorite things. Yeah, like all the best things, yeah. Um, so we talked about that, but in, in that same year that they started to arrive, missionaries also been to the hula, the, the famous Hawaiian dance. Oh, yeah. The hula is described mm-hmm. by one Hawaiian king as, quote, the language of the heart and therefore the heartbeat of the Hawaiian people. So like integral to Hawaiian ex- um, yeah. uh, language and, and expression. 
Um, and so in contrast, missionaries claimed that the dance celebrated heathen beliefs and was destined to promote lasciviousness. And so, of course, the practice could not flourish in modest communities. Hmm. Like, you see where I'm going with this? Hawaiian culture was basically yeah. deemed wrong by missionaries yeah. and settlers. That's right. And little did those missionaries and settlers know that in 130 years, in, the, in, a, in, a, in, a, in an era called the 1950s, Hula hoops would be all the rage. <laughs> they could never <laughs> of, have of like of like conservative middle America, you know, <laughs> people, white people who had never been to Hawaii. Right. Sure, <laughs> right. Um, okay. So, so even even so, even with that influence, the monarchs of Hawaii grew to trust and be influenced by the missionaries while they were still infighting, um, and so they started to give them, you know, government positions, positions of power. Some of this is because they brought like better weaponry and warfare, which which assisted the, the warring islands as well. So that was one of the reasons that they had influence. And so over time, like the children of these missionaries who were also white came of age, took over their positions. They ran sugar plantations. And so it got to a point where a very small group of white people had a lot of power in Hawaii. Um, and another unfortunate thing was that missionaries, because they were coming from outside, also unintentionally brought disease with them, and they killed off a lot of the native Hawaiians. So in 1848, like measles, whooping cough, dysentery, influenza raged across the Hawaiian kingdom, and an estimated 10,000 people died, which was more than a tenth of the population at the time. It was yeah. one of the most devastating yeah. epidemics in island history, and it started because of the outside influence of some of these germs that, that the settlers brought with them. And so because yeah, and the, the, yeah, and the settlers were probably like, you don't need to wear masks. It's fine. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. It's a whole, it's a different, different diseases. I get yeah, it. <laughs> I don't know if a mask would save me from dysentery. <laughs> <laughs> so as you can imagine, by this time, there was a lot of racial tension between native Hawaiians mm -hmm. and the European and American settlers. Hawaii was a primary provider of sugarcane to the U.S. It was an important trade stop. It really had become a valuable resource for the states who were, you know, sort of like digging their claws into this and didn't want to let go of it. And they were beginning to take advantage of the native population's resources. So it was primarily white settlers who were operating the sugar plantations, the taro fields and farms. Um, and a number of Hawaiians died because of the disease that the immigrants brought. So so there was like a, an effort to sort of rebuild the population. And a lot of immigrants came both to work on the fields and to help rebuild the population because all these white people were like, oh, people from Cambodia and China, that's like the same thing as Hawaii, right? Just like bring them in and, and they'll repopulate. <laughs> <laughs> so the population of native Hawaiians had gone down and the economic power through like farming and trading had shifted into the hands of white settlers. The Hawaiian monarchy, which now at this time had been, by the time I'm telling this, is like has been united it had also been stripped of a ton of its power due to one king being forced basically at gunpoint to sign a new constitution that moved power away from the monarchy and towards the Hawaiian legislation, which now had many European and Americans in seats of power. So this happened, this new constitution was signed just before Liliuokalani, who's the first and only queen of Hawaii and the last ruling monarch, spoiler and foreshadowing, before she took the throne. So when this new queen took the throne, she proposed a new constitution that would give power back to the Hawaiian monarchy from which it had been stripped, and it would reestablish voting rights for economically disenfranchised Native Hawaiians and Asians. She, her fight to reenfranchise her people was really the beginning of the end. So feeling a threat to power that they'd established, on January 16th, 1893, U.S. troops invaded the Hawaiian kingdom without just cause, which led to a conditional surrender by the queen. Um, which happened the next day, and and a provisional government was basically set up in her place. So this government assumed authority. They seized all the lands belonging to the royal family, which were called the crown lands. And Queen Liliuokalani, her her surrender is is really interesting. But she basically like 
defied this as the will of the people or something that Hawaii wanted. She said, I, by the grace of God, um, do hereby solemnly protest against any and all acts done against myself and the government of Hawaiian kingdom by certain persons claiming to have an established, a provisional government of and for this kingdom. There's more to it, but basically it's like all the reasons that she was calling out to the U.S. government to say this was this was unjust. Mm-hmm. The the president at the time, Grover Cleveland, uh, he opened an investigation and found, yes, that the invasion by the U.S. troops constituted an act of war against Hawaii and was illegal. So he proposed he proposed the return of the throne to the queen if she granted amnesty to everybody responsible. She was basically like, fuck you, no way. Her response was that Hawaiian law called for the death penalty for treason and like <laughs> confiscating everybody's property. <laughs> so this, as you can imagine, lost her some goodwill with the president. Um, and so it ended up turning to Congress, the 53rd Congress, all of all but one of whom were white, responded with a Senate investigation that found all parties except the queen not guilty, absolving them of all responsibility for overthrowing the government. And so because the queen was not established rule again, the provisional government basically formed what was the Republic of Hawaii on the 4th of July, but that was 1984. So over the coming years, you can probably guess where this is going. Over the coming years, the, the Congress slowly passed acts to take over more and more control of Hawaii, Hawaii, even as the queen was battling in the courts to try to take back control. Wait, you said 4th of July, 1984. Do you mean 1894? I did. I'm sorry. 1894. Yeah. So she was trying to take back control and, and having to fight with the U.S. Senate. So in 1900, Hawaii became a U.S. territory, similar to how like Puerto Rico is to the U.S. today. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, and the U.S. moved to take like official ownership of the crowned lands over and away from the queen. She continued to fight, but unsuccessfully for over a decade yep. to reclaim her throne. It even went all the way to the Supreme Court where they ruled against her. Yeah. So to sort of like wrap this up, under increasing U.S. influence, the population of Hawaii grew and its economy grew and it grew well. And the islands increased like their sugar production and pineapple production to satisfy the growing needs of the U.S. mainland. Um, it was also a really important military outpost like we had talked about. Like mm-hmm. everybody knows of the attack on Pearl Harbor. That was 1941. So remember, Hawaii wasn't a state when this happened. Uh, yeah. it, it was still a territory, similar to how Puerto Rico again is. Um, that happened in 1941, and after that, after World War II ended, then the U.S. started making moves to make Hawaii a state. So um, 14 years later, after the end of World War II, on August 21st, 1959, Hawaii was brought in and admitted as our 50th and most recent state. It's crazy to think that Hawaii is that young of a state. 1959. Right, like our parents were alive when there weren't 50 states, when Hawaii was a territory. Yeah, when my dad was born. When my dad was born, Native Hawaiian, Hawaii wasn't a state yet. You know, your story about Hawaii echoes European domination of, of the mainland United States. Totally. And, and honestly, it still echoes what's, ha- it echoes what's happening in Puerto Rico today. Mm-hmm. And now, I know there's not a monarchy in Puerto Rico. It's, 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 tw- you know, it's 2020. There's no monarchy. There. But the treatment, the way we treat Puerto Rico. Yeah. Uh, or just like any native indigenous you, people were. I think that right. the thought is like, this is America. It's always been. <laughs> no, right. not true. Right. Not yeah. really. And especially with Hawaii, it's so much more recent than even you know, Native Americans. Yeah. Yeah. So that was a big old history lesson. I know. I think my 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 <laughs> takeaways 
here are that history is really important. Yeah, his, history is important. Hawaii is beloved, and rightly so. We spent the first hour of this call talking about how we love Hawaii and all of it, and everything about it. And I, I just feel really protective of this place that I love, and I want to help travelers to enjoy and celebrate Hawaii and its culture while remembering that we have access now to it because it was illegally stolen. Like, keep that in mind and, and just be conscious of that when you travel to Hawaii, that there's a certain amount of the culture that now exists for travelers and tourists, and it wasn't always yeah. that way. Yeah. I, I, look, I think it's one of the great things about traveling is when you can get a fuller picture of the place you're visiting. Mm. And histories are not always perfect. They're often imperfect. They're often stories of domination and war and, and uh, you know, co-opting of cultures, right? Yeah. History is messy, but I don't think I, it's, it's valuable to understand histories, even if they're not pretty. Yeah. Even if, even if, it, even if, even if you are on the islands and you learn that history there instead of at this podcast and it, it makes you stop and think and it makes you take a moment of somber reflection. That's part of the experience of being a traveler. Traveling, like, I, I don't want traveling to just be lying on a beach and drinking a tropical drink. <laughs> I, I, want, I want traveling to be, you know, to, to include knowing the place that I'm traveling, warts and all. Yes, yes, which is also how we preserve it so that the next time you travel there, it's equally wonderful and it doesn't necessarily have to um, that's right transform away from what it is so thank you for listening to my history lesson coming to my uh my stanford yeah. seminar <laughs> <laughs> thank you for sharing yeah 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 so let's bring it home i've got a really fun game here at the end we played this game called shibboleth back when we did the chicago episode and jason quizzed yeah. me on insider terms i'm gonna quiz jason on pigeon english so pigeon english is a dialect it's a hawaiian dialect of english and it's got very specific terms and meanings and so i cannot wait to find out how many if any you know of these pigeon terms mm, i am so ready for this <laughs> I, and, I, and i think i'm gonna i think i'm gonna blow you away i think so i think you just might all right we'll start with one yeah. that, that some know the word hapa hapa sure this is, this is the whole yeah the hawaiian word hapa sure this is a um hapa is a traditional way of braiding women's hair using fermented pineapple juice. <laughs> Hapa. How close was I? Excellent guess. Not close at all. Okay. Hapa, Hapa, okay. Hapa means half in Hawaiian. So it specifically refers to like half half Hawaiians. So I would say oh. I'm Hapa Ho'oli or Hapa Haoli. So like half ah. Haoli, half white. So there's some, okay. there's some debate about it being used to mean like half of anything or half Asian. I, I want to say that I, I feel it specifically should be used. Hapa means half Hawaiian. Okay. Yeah. 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 Okay. Okay. Slippers. What are slippers? Slippers. Uh, sure. Is slippers is a name given to the mating call of the Hawaiian duck, which lives on the island of Nihau, which we didn't actually talk about. That's one of the lesser visited islands. It's it's fully owned by one family, and a small number of indigenous Hawaiian people live on it. But uh, <laughs> I'm almost certain that that uh, slipper is a name given to the mating call of the Hawaiian duck that lives on that island. Judges? Uh-oh. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> you, you're overthinking it. Slippers. It's the way to say that they say slippers, like flip-flops or sandals. Slippers. That's a trick question. <laughs> I reject that. Yeah, yeah. I reject that. Right. A, that's so, a trick question. So when somebody says, broke them out, what, is, what do they mean? Oh, that one I know. That's a derogatory word used to describe American tourists. <laughs> <laughs> it's a way to say broke the mouth like when the food is so good it don't broke the mouth uh, like the burger so ono Mean really yeah broke the mouth <laughs> <laughs> all right all right all right what is a b-52 or a b-52 bomber well 
a B fifty two. It's it's a it's a fighter pilot. It's it's a mm-hmm. it's like a yeah. It's like a bomber. It's like it's like a jet. Yeah. So what does it mean when someone from Hawaii says it? A B B fifty two. Yeah. Oh, so it's a it's a it's an expression, right? You mean you? Uh, okay, I'm giving. I, I'm, I'm, we're going through like a glossary of pigeon terms. Yeah. Okay, so yeah, so when people in Hawaii say B-52, it's a slang for like an amazing travel podcast that not enough people listen to, but should. <laughs> like like our podcast is so bomb, it's called a B-52? That's right. <laughs> close, but almost not close. It means like a massive okay. fly or a cockroach. Like, grab my slipper, oh. I gotta kill one B-52 bomber. I did not know that at all. <laughs> my gosh, I'm learning so much. All right, what is a, what is a stink eye? A stink eye? Mm-hmm. It is, uh, this is, I'm probably actually going to teach you something here. Stink eye is a form of Hawaiian burlesque performed at the reception uh, at royal wedding ceremonies. Right, stink eye is PG-13 or or even, you know, more than that. (laughs) Stink eye is like when you give somebody a dirty look, like when you, you know, you you catch eyes from across the... Yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought, okay, I thought you meant how do Hawaiians... Okay. They do use that. I mean, that's pigeon. Like you would say, like, Tita, give me stink eye when I ask her go movies. Okay. All right. <laughs> okay. All right. Last one. Hamajang. Yeah. Hamajang. Uh oh. I know this one. Wait. Spell it for me. H e m a j a n g. Yes, it's a surfing competition in which the winner receives a weekend at the Aulani Disney Resort uh, in in Oahu. Sponsored right? by Disney Tours. No. <laughs> Hemajang means when something is like broken or it's not working. Like if you buy something on Craigslist and it shows up and it doesn't work like you thought or it doesn't look like the picture, that you got the Hemajang version. All right, what's the gift you get when you get zero out of seven right? <laughs> you get a Hemajang trophy. That's all but up. <laughs> All They're right. Hard. So when you hear people, when you hear people speaking pigeon, now you can hang with them. Nicely done. Okay, I think that's it for us. We are on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, and everywhere else you can find podcasts. We are on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Our handle is wywh podcast. Email us at wywhpodcast at gmail.com and tell us where to go next. And by the way, please, please, please review us. Review us on Spotify. Review us on, on iTunes. Those reviews are so helpful to us. Like if you're listening right now, just go leave a review. We would love it. And we've got our website, wishyouwerherepodcast.com. That's H-E-A-R. So wishyouwerherepodcast.com. And there you can find not only this episode, but every single episode that we've done so far and a list of all our recommendations for every place we visited. That's it. Thanks so much. Until next time. Thank you so much. Yep. Bye. Bye.